Welcome to the Grand Conversation, the Machon Siach Podcast. Machon Siach at SAR High School, honoring the memory of Belda K. Lindemann Zal, is the research arm of SAR High School, where faculty bridge theory and practice on matters of Jewish education, curriculum, and modern Orthodox culture. I'm your host, Shmuel Hain, Rosh Beit Midrash at SAR High School, and co-director of Machon Siach. Our producers today are Phil Raymond and Eri Rosie. Today we will be discussing a paper which emerged from our faculty Beit Midrash on spirituality. We previously introduced the topic of spirituality with Rabbanit Lisa Schlaff and Dr. Gillian Steinberg, who directed the spirituality group's research. We then discussed the past, present, and future of spirituality at SAR High School with our principals, Rabbi Tilly Hartstark and Rabbi Jonathan Kroll. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Ms. Hanna Kresjanski, a faculty member in our English department and a member of the spirituality faculty cohort. Hannah wrote a remarkable paper, a personal paper, entitled To Thine Own Self Be True, Authenticity and Spirituality in the Modern Orthodox Classroom. That paper is the subject of this month's issue of Inside the Conversation, and I'm really excited to dig into the paper with the author. Hannah, welcome to the Grand Conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to discussing your paper with you. And for our listeners who may not have had a chance to read the paper, tell us a little bit about it. What is its central argument? So this paper came out of a spirituality group, but the real focus about it is about how to be real in the classroom. And being real in the classroom basically comes down to meaning that you bring your whole self in um, while what happens in the classroom is fairly academic, or it's supposed to be, whatever the particular subjects that's being taught at that moment, math, science, Hebrew, Tanakh, English. Um, but at the same time that it's that there's a specific content going on, there's really so much more happening in the classroom. So people's minds are being shaped, and that means that there's also a teacher who's leading the classroom, who's shaping the classroom. So my my interest was in thinking about what what happens when you bring your whole self into the room and not just flattening us to just be a brain sitting on one side of the desk, talking to a bunch of brains on the other side of the desk. So I want to ask you a little bit about how this emerged. You said this wasn't specifically about uh, spirituality per se, but it came out of this spirituality group, this faculty, Beit Midrash, which was exploring spirituality in the classroom. How are authenticity and spirituality related, and, and why do those two things uh, come together for you in your classroom teaching? So when we first started that Machon group and we spoke about what spirituality means, there were two basic directions to take it in. So there's spirituality in the traditional Jewish sense that's more bound up with ritual. So there's practice, whether it's tefillah, whether it's Torah study, whether it's keeping the mitzvot. But spirituality is also about a mindfulness. And I took that track and thought about what does it mean if you're living your life in a mindful way? And separate from whatever the specific rituals connected to specific religions, but just about being mindful. And that got me thinking about how you are in the classroom if you're living with mindfulness. So from that broader sense of the word spirituality, um, I start to think about my paper. And your paper discusses 
how for a long time you felt perhaps there was a disconnect between being your authentic true self and the yeshiva high schools where you were teaching. Can you share a little bit about that disconnect and how this paper helped you articulate the challenge that this presents? Sure. So having been raised ultra-Orthodox um, and choosing to follow a different path in my life, um, I thought about how interesting it was that my career, however, took the direction. It started off teaching actually at a local Hasidic school. And then I started to, while I taught at college, I ended up basically teaching at modern Orthodox high schools. And I stayed teaching at modern Orthodox high schools. And I thought about um, how challenging that's been for me, um, where I wasn't sure what to do with this part of myself that chose to leave my Hasidic upbringing while I'm also teaching at a school that's encouraging students to embrace their Judaism. So I never received feedback that I need to leave that part of myself outside other than when I taught in that Hasidic school. However, internally on my own, I assumed that I needed to. So this paper became a chance to think about why did I choose to Think that I needed to leave it outside and can I bring it into the classroom and from there I start to think is there a usefulness for it in the classroom which got me thinking also about students and how students could relate to that or what about students in their own authenticity so just my mind started racing and considering all these different possibilities and with the name Hana you write a little bit about this in the paper it was kind of hard or futile to run completely away from who you are and where you come from. That is true. With my name, Hanna Krasinjanski, I sound like the background that I have, but I don't know if I look like I used to wear a shaitol and long skirts. Exactly. So um, there are a couple of stories in your paper with students um, where, you, uh, where you draw upon your background in a, in a way to kind of feed students who are looking for more uh, a, a, a kind of a more authentic or a more uh, right-wing religious um, environment than they have here. So tell us a little bit about how, how that played out. Sure. So different sides of myself surprisingly came up in the same year, but different classes and different groups of students. So one group of boys primarily who were really interested in learning about the um, culture from back in the shtetl life. And when they learned that I knew Yiddish and I knew Yiddish music, they were really fascinated and they wanted to know more about that and talk then also from there about my background because I have a lot of family that's running Chabad houses and I'm very close to my family. So they were really curious about that. And that year we actually started a Yiddish club because one of the students really wanted to learn Yiddish so he understood the songs he was listening to. Um, and at the same time, I also had students that learned about my background and wanted to talk about how to handle their own struggle of finding themselves in a modern Orthodox school while not necessarily personally identifying with the values. And so I found myself straddling these different conversations, which both felt very authentic because both of those sides are me. Um, because while I'm not practicing anymore, I'm still very connected to my past. That's fascinating. And, and it also reminds us that 
even in our school, which is like such a narrow slice of the Jewish community and the non-Orthodox community, we have with our students real range in terms of their interests and, and their divergence from their family practices and their family values and kind of having teachers who can relate to different aspects and different uh, students along that spectrum, I think, is really meaningful. And, and as a parent, that, that's great. So I learned actually at a young age, I went to a tiny day school and um, my school, I think my class was 18. The whole high school was like 50 something students. But I learned at a young age that even within a group of, and I say this with air quotes, and same students, you have a lot of diversity. So I absolutely agree that while this is a student body who's interested in being in a non-Orthodox school, we run the gamut here. Nice. Um, there are a couple of footnotes in your paper that I want to ask you about because I think they raise important questions for, for all educators and, and a couple of really interesting distinctions. So I want to first start with a footnote where you uh, say the following. I distinguish here the personal from the private in talking about how you uh, share your authentic self with students. The former, meaning personal, is suitable for the classroom, while the latter is not. So I want you to elaborate upon that because it seems like a really important distinction for educators um, anywhere, but especially in a non-Orthodox uh, setting. What, what do you see as the difference between personal and private, and why is it important to, to make that distinction and to follow that line? So this is actually something that applies to both the teachers and the students. So if you're going to advocate for authenticity on both sides of teachers and students and the classroom should become a, a space where people can share, you want to make it comfortable and you want to make it a space that everything is welcome. So that being said, part of actually the safety of the space is that certain things get left out and that's the stuff that's private, stuff that you wouldn't know unless you belong to a very small group of people who are very, very close to you. Um, and so, because once that information gets shared, you have to have a bond with someone to where to put that information. And that's where if you share things that somebody isn't, that you're not close to, and they don't have a place to put it, it just kind of hangs there and then it becomes uncomfortable. And so, maybe even like a crossing of a boundary. Sometimes. Absolutely, crossing boundaries. And so this is both, like I said, for students sharing as well as for the teacher sharing. And so ironically, the, the way to make it safe is you have these boundaries up where what you share is um, personal but not private. So that one of the ways that I phrased it is that if it's information, for example, you can find online, um, not by going into the dark web, but just somehow, you know, Googling stuff, if it's there available, then that's one of the ways where that's personal but not private. Um, other ways to think about it is if only, like I said, if only a handful of people know this information, that's not what you want to share. So in the paper I write about how they know about my background, but I don't go into why I left. That to me is very private and I share that with the, my friends, but I wouldn't share that with students, the why I left. But in the conversation around um, you know, what my thoughts are about um, staying connected to um, my past community or just even that I'm no longer part of that community. Those are things that are available for people to know. So I don't mind sharing that. And are there times in the classroom where you will 
say to a student or respond to a student's question that, you know, that's private or you shouldn't share that because it's private or I'm not willing to share that because it's private or, or you haven't found that you needed even to, to be that explicit? So usually students come close to a line in very specific circumstances. So for example, when we're working on college essay is one of the places where I speak to the students specifically about this, where it'd be personal but not private. So you wanna share things where someone can get to know you, but you don't wanna share things that only come up in conversation with your parents, with an adult that you trust, or very exclusive friends. So that's one place. Um, generally speaking, it doesn't come up when we discuss literature. However, we do like to bring in moments of um, applying the literature to ourselves and that's where there are opportunities for it but most kids I think tend to veer away from the private naturally uh, they kind of yeah. they kind of intuit that distinction on their own yeah maybe because they're in class with people that aren't their close friends and they don't just want to share um, and in terms of teachers I mean that's something that I think we know to just be careful of, but if we are going to advocate for authenticity and that means bringing yourself into the classroom, it is just something to be mindful of, of what is or isn't um, appropriate. And I do think different schools will set the boundaries differently because what's personal and what's private isn't necessarily marked by a very wide boundary. Sometimes it's a very gray boundary. So in certain schools um, that let's say want to cultivate a certain environment, they may be happy for teachers to share what uh, what other schools may consider private information um, in order to make a, an inclusivity, um, an environment of inclusivity. While at other schools, they may say, we're not so interested in that kind of inclusivity. And because to create it, we have to bring private information in which we don't want so let's keep that out of the classroom so i do think that that line will shift depending on the school and i do find the more orthodox the school usually the more to the right that line is and then you know as you progress to the left the, the yeah. line shifts as well the other thing i would add to that is in my capacity as the head of the baby drosh program where we have these graduate fellows who are called by the first name by the kids and the kids have a much more informal relationship with it's really more challenging because there the kids do share uh, private information. And um, so one of the things that we do in our training and orientation is, is really emphasizing what are the, the boundary lines for you and what are the protocols for sharing information that, you know, if, if a student's at risk or if a student's in trouble, um, you know, kind of the reporting chain on that. So that, that's something that I'm particularly interested in because it it comes up more often with the fellows. They're spending more informal time with the students. And um, those, those boundaries can get blurrier. And we do want to cultivate a, a sense of warmth and, and welcoming. Um, but we also want to make sure that, that fellows and students with fellows don't cross lines. Right. So some of it is also particular to the individual. So it really depends on the person's story. Some people have more private information that could be a little bit more challenging to if a student finds out versus some other stuff may not be that um, problematic if a student finds out about it. So I think yeah. there's some... Yeah, we also have had, just in terms of the fellows experience, sometimes we've had fellows who are maybe uh, somewhat to the right of SAR's um, mission statement and values and navigating with them and helping them navigate what they share with the kids. Like if they wouldn't want to send their kids to a co-ed high school, how do they respond to 
students when they ask that question in a way that feels like they're being authentic, but they're not contravening the, the mission of the school. And we've had you know, people who are more egalitarian oriented, who when they come and they work here as fellows, also have to figure out what do I share? How do I share it? How do I navigate that? But that's, you know, there, there are some baseline assumptions we make as Beit Midrash fellows about kind of buying into the overall system. And that brings me to the second, second point in the paper that I wanted to ask you a little bit about and, and talk about, which is you're writing from a general studies teacher perspective. And what's wonderful about SAR High School is how many of our general studies teachers do get the community and are an active part of the community or have been part of our community. And so they bring that to the classroom. One of the things you allude to is maybe it's a little harder for a Judaic studies teacher to be their full authentic self when it comes to interacting with students if they are going through a a challenging period or if they have evolved since they they began teaching. So I want to ask you a little bit about that and if you think there are uh, clearer boundaries for Judaic studies teachers when it comes to sharing their authentic selves. So they're, they're, I feel like they're bound by two things. So part of it is they're bound by Torah and Torah values in a way that in the secular classroom, those values don't seem as present. Maybe they're hovering in the background just because we're a Jewish school, but they're not really present to the material in the same way. So that, in other words, if I were a Judaic studies teacher, I can't just say whatever I want because if I'm, let's say, teaching Chumash, while the Torah kind of makes certain things clear, or if I'm teaching halacha or gemara, whatever it may be. Um, and then there's also the school's mission statement, which, yes, extends beyond the, the Judaic classroom, but certain elements are very relevant to the Judaic classroom, again, in wanting to cultivate a certain Torah perspective. So in two ways, I think the Judaic studies teachers are hemmed in or cannot be as unchecked as they may want to in a way that in a secular classroom, um, I have to be mindful to my professional self and to the health of my students, but I have more room to um, discuss certain things. Now, I do think that SAR creates a very open space. So it could be that I'm misunderstanding how, how, a, how a Judaic studies class could be, because maybe there is room um, on the student's end to, you know, to challenge and speculate. I don't know, though, from the teacher side what the responsibilities are. Um, so, yes, I do appreciate um, teaching in a secular classroom that for me feels like there's a little bit more room on the teacher side to bring in my authentic self. Like, I don't know if I were, first of all, I don't know if I'd ever be given the position of teaching Tanakh, let's say, because I love studying Navi, but, and I still do. But if I were, I don't know if there'd be room for me to share doubts and things in a way that when it comes, if something comes up in a story that we're reading, it may not be as um, challenging to my, to, to my responsibility in the classroom if we talk about whatever it is that the story raised. Okay, well, sometimes we get a little bit uh, desperate with substitute teachers. So <laughs> for, for Tanakh, they, that was a big revelation right now. Uh, I'm not going to let Rabbi Schlaf know right away. Um, yeah, I want to react to that because I, I, when I was reading your paper, I really it resonated so much with me, especially as a Judaic studies teacher 
someone who teaches Gemara, and especially in, we've created a, a number of settings that are a little bit more informal, like Junior Vod or, or Beit Midrash or, or Health and other spaces where I actually think it's really important for teachers to share challenges and, and, and to be authentic. Now, there is a line, you know, if, if, if a Judaic studies teacher were to, you know, start talking about how they're, they're no longer observant in any meaningful way or they're, they no longer believe in certain fundamental beliefs, I think that would be very challenging. But I have found, like on a personal level, talking with students about how I find Torah study an in-depth Talmud study is kind of the the way I connect best with God and have a harder time maybe with three times a day tefillah, that that, that helps, that, that kind of authenticity helps some students connect and some students also to realize, okay, you know, we're on the same wavelength or we're on a little bit different wavelengths, but you know, this teacher struggles a little bit with certain things that I'm, I, I don't struggle with, and they, they, they have other ways in which they connect to God that, that I don't totally see. And I, I feel like it, it's really important for Judaic studies teachers as well to lean into that. But I do agree that there's, there's some red lines for Judaic studies teachers that aren't there for general studies teachers. I'm really glad to hear you say that because I agree. Um, this is... the the paper is just one perspective, but I stand by it very strongly that I think authenticity is invaluable in the classroom, whether it's acknowledging just on a personal level of um, how, like what kind of, how do I say this? Not what kind of day you're having, but there's like a human piece. So sometimes like if I feel like I didn't handle something well, it's about going back and acknowledging it. Um, and sometimes the authenticity is also just about how you think about the topics that you're discussing in the classroom. Um, so I could not agree with you more that sometimes it's really important for a student in the Judaic studies class to hear the human behind the person standing at the front of the room that yes, there are many different ways to engage with their Judaism. And it's important to hear that even adults who have embraced it are still working through it because um, you know we're human. That means we're always working through things we're never done, and um, kids don't always know that. For sure, and I think that that's uh, I yeah I think that that resonated with me when I read your paper, and I, I think we've if we're going to try to see Judaic studies teachers as also being you know some kind of uh, spiritual mentors and advisors and and people who the students can connect with and look up to for religious growth, which which has been a focus in our Judaic studies meetings in years past, then I think you gotta be who you are and you gotta you gotta really put it out there a little bit in 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 a real way. Um, but but again not sharing private information and and yeah with with some limits. And I think that's when you have to talk to and the administrators about you know where you're struggling and maybe if you're having some doubts about you know theoretically about the divine authorship of the Torah well then well then maybe we need we need to kind of adjust your classes to to leave you less exposed in that way um, you know those are just kind of thoughts in, in in my head as we're as we're discussing but I think it's really an important issue for for all classroom teachers so I, I thank you for for bringing it up and writing about it in such an articulate way. 
I want to ask you before we conclude, um, what are some of the other expressions of authenticity um, that you maybe didn't get a chance to focus on in this paper that you think are important for, uh, for us to think about in a, in a school setting? Well, I didn't really take on students um, so much. I mean, I spoke about why it's important for the teacher to be authentic, and I didn't really explore what that looks like for students, um, other than just mentioning that one of the things I love about teaching in a non-Orthodox school versus in the Hasidic school is that there's, a, there's an openness um, to the atmosphere where ideas, feelings, thoughts aren't threatening in a way that they may be in more right-wing environments where um, maybe it's because the non-Orthodox philosophy specifically wants to straddle both the American and the Jewish identity, which just leaves a lot of room. Um, so I would be interested in thinking more about exploring for students what that means, authenticity within a non-Orthodox school, how to bring that in, how to cultivate that. Right now, as I share with some lesson plans at the end, um, or what I just did, for example, we read a short story by a Jewish American woman um, written in the 1950s where she has um, her main character play Jesus in the Christmas Carol in public school. And this girl who's the child of immigrants, because the story takes place in the 1930s, um, the parents have very conflicted feelings about it. Well, more like the parents have very divided feelings where the mother feels like this is how, this is this is what America looks like. It, it looks like it's your friend, but it's really trying to slowly pull you away in this clandestine way while, you know, back in Russia, you knew who your en enemies were, so to speak, and here you don't. While the father thinks like, what's the big deal? It's no harm. They picked her for her Jewish qualities because she's so loud and brash and that's wonderful and it's no big deal. And from there we turn it into this really wonderful conversation about how do we be Jewish in the broader world, um, which raise all kinds of personal concerns, thoughts, and um, especially with the juniors thinking about college for next year, a lot of these, or well, two years, um, there were very um, present thoughts in their mind of what it's going to be like for them and what school should I choose. So I think the more we can find a way to create spaces, even in a literature classroom, for students to authentically um, talk about where they're holding, I think that's wonderful. So that's something I'd like to think further about. Great, Hannah. Thank you so much. To thine own self be true, authenticity and spirituality in the modern Orthodox classroom. I want to encourage all of our listeners to check out the paper and read it. Uh, and if you have any thoughts or reactions, let us know, because I think it's a really important conversation about authenticity, about spirituality, and about what it means to be a non-Orthodox student and educator in a classroom. Thank you very much. Thank you.